You're listening to the Josh Paul Podcast. Connect with Josh on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or by visiting joshpaul.org. Now, here's Josh. Hi, I'm Josh Paul with Anger Ridge, and we are deep in the mountains of Virginia today, and we are hearing stories that are terrifying. We are hearing stories that are heartbreaking. We're hearing stories that sound unreal, but they're real. These are not actors. These are actual people, and these are their actual stories. I want you to listen to this. Well, we had to depend on our gardens. I didn't know like potato chips. Our potato chips were to peel them off potatoes, and Mommy will save them and cook them at night, and we'll eat them, you know. I didn't really know what potato chips was. Yeah, we had it rough growing up. My daddy uh, kind of got drunk sometimes. <laughs> Run us upstairs and fight Mommy and all that stuff, you know. And I remember our gardens now, like uh, I was telling Philip the other day, when we dug our potatoes up, we had so many, and we got to save them for the winter time. So we had to get under the house and dig a hole under the house to bury our potatoes before we can go in the winter time and dig them up and eat them. And canning, Lord mercy, that canning. Making sausage, grinding the sausage and making sausage. When we killed hogs, he had a big old barrel and he would build a bar underneath it and hang in pigs. But he had to shoot it right between the eyes. If you don't, he'll come at you. And one did one time. But <laughs> yeah, it's one shot. You better get it, yeah. Yeah, and then the flood of 77, we just killed two hogs. And I remember Daddy going out to the smokehouse and getting the meat and bringing it in. Because the river was going to take the smokehouse. It was, got so up the flood of 77. And uh, I remember he had two hams on his shoulder and he just stepped out and it took the whole smokehouse. So we didn't get much out of those two hogs that year because the flood of 77. Mm. I mean, my daddy had a big old garage. We had two gardens. Uh, he had done asphalt in the summertime, but in the wintertime he run moonshine. And uh, he played poker a lot. Yeah, got in fights. <laughs> a lot of fights. Yeah. <laughs> One day they rolled him down the driveway and he had chains around him and a bunch of locks. Yeah, and uh, my daddy had a half a year, so my bit it off fighting. The coal trucks run each holler, the trains run up each holler. I remember it coming out, and when it come out, it was like around the curve, and that headlight shined right in that bedroom window when it come out, and it come out like midnight every night. <laughs> i never forget that, and it shaked the house because it's so big and loud. Yeah, it was a, yeah. But now, there ain't no tracks up in Derby. Ain't no tracks in Rhodey. The Stone Egg is the only one through Crossbrook and Stone Egg is the only tracks. Just like the schools now, we had a, a bus for the high school kids, a bus for the elementary in each holler. And there was a bus, two buses, one for high school, one for elementary in each holler. Now it's one bus does them all. They shut our school down up there and they tore it down. And there's a lot of homeless around here. Young, young kids are homeless. I don't know why they won't work. Uh, that generation is bad. But our generation, you know, you work your tail off, you know, you work until you go to bed at night. You know, that's the way it was, the way it always been. It's like my shoes, I don't take my shoes off till I go to bed, you know. I mean, <laughs> it's the way we was raised, you get up, put your shoes on, put your old shoes, go work in the garden, do your chores before you catch a bus, you know. Gotta feed the hogs, feed chickens and rabbits, and <laughs> milk the cow and get the eggs. And it was all that before you had to go to school back then. And I was the little one when I was seven, so I was the one who had to do the, like the weeding and stuff, you know, in the garden. <laughs> I had to, you know, <laughs> had to do the weeding and stuff like that, or throwing the rocks out and stuff. 
My older sisters and brothers, they had to do all the hard work. <laughs> she ain't had no help from the state or nothing. No, we never went no such things, food stamp, nothing like that. Just what my daddy brought in was all we had. Yeah, and uh, it's how it went with my mommy. She was married to uh, uh, Stanley, and it was my daddy's best friend. He got killed in the coal mine. And they said when they brought him out of the mines, and back then they put it on the kitchen table. So my daddy, my mommy wouldn't let nobody in the house and said she cleaned on him for three days and said, Maldella, that was her name, said, we got to take him out to bury him. She didn't want to let him go. And that was my daddy's best friend. They ended up falling in love. So my daddy raised that boy and about six of us. Back then, uh, when they get you out of the mines, they take you to your house, wherever you lived at, and on the kitchen table, in the floor, in the kitchen somewhere, and that's where they took care of you. That's where they clean you. Even though if you got killed somewhere else, they'd bring you home. And they would even have the funeral at home. Yeah, and bury you out in the family graveyard. Yeah, some of them just right out the door. <laughs> you know, I've been to my relatives, and wow, you know, those headstones out here. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, let me tell you a story. My daddy, daddy's daddy, my great-grandpa, and his friends, they said they went up on and took this man they had trouble with. I don't know why they done this. But they didn't have no electricity, no running water in this cabinet. They, they had an oil lamp, and said they, had, they tortured this man and killed him. They said a spot from that oil lamp came up and hit my great-grandpa and said he took something home with him. Don't know why they had to kill that man or what it was but said it, it, he had to take it home and it messes with him. I can tell you how it messed with us growing up and how we finally believed my daddy that he had a boogeyman following him around. And to this day, I'm the keeper of it. He don't bother me no more, I can face him, but I'm the keeper. And when I go like visit my family or something, they won't let me in the house because <laughs> I'm afraid I leave it. And I said, the only reason you're gonna leave it because the meanness in you. You've been thinking mean or anything mean, it, it'll stay with you, and it's very mean. It, 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 it would sit on us. When we was little, it would come up the steps, and you hear it coming up the steps, and we had a string to the light. When it get to the top of the steps, you can hear it with its nails going like that on the wood, and then we turn the light on, wouldn't be nothing. We turn the light back off, and you can hear him when he stood up. You could hear him scraping his nails because the ceiling was like that in that old house, and hear him coming, and then he would sit on you, and you couldn't move. You couldn't move. My Aunt Sybil said, say the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and it would leave you alone. Because you can't move. You gotta use your thoughts to get him off of you. And if people might not believe me, I believe it, because it's happened to me. But I'm the keeper of it. And the only reason I say I'm the keeper, because when my daddy died, I had a dream, and I don't have dreams, unless they mean something. And I had a dream that I was in the car with my daddy, taking him to, uh, see my brother, because he wanted to see my brother. He was in prison, he got 30 years. Well, I was taking my daddy to see my brother, and I remember looking in the rear view mirror, and I seen his top hat, as he was a black shadow with a top hat. He was in the back seat, and I remember we drove all night long, but I never made it to Adam. When I woke up, I was sitting in my car in the driveway, keys in the ignition, I don't know if I went in was or not. And I realized, I'm, I'm, he's, he's staying with me. He didn't make it to Adam. Adam was my daddy's only son. And he was trying to get to Adam, but he made it. we never made it that night. And I believe it. Uh, and supper time, you know, it's like uh, my Aunt Sybil, 
she had 12 kids. My mommy had six uh, or seven, Alan. And my Aunt Joyce Lee, she had seven. And my Aunt Jeanette had six. And they were sisters. When they got together, how many kids was that? Lord, hell, mostly they had a wood barn up at Papa's house. And they cook on it, built a farm, kept it summertime. Had a big old bench and table. Had a bench, went down the table, and we'd come in that side door and get on that bench, and they'd feed us. And it's like it took all day, but by the time they get breakfast done, they had to start supper, and they had to wash dishes with no paper plates or nothing like that back then. You had to have plates and forks. I couldn't imagine it. I couldn't imagine, but my Aunt Sybil, she had 12 kids of her own, but uh, her mommy died giving birth to the 13th child, and the child died, my mommy's mommy. Her name was Murray, and a little boy, and they named him Conley. And uh, so my Aunt Sybil was the oldest out of them 12, so she had to raise all of them. She raised 11 brothers and sisters, and she raised 12 kids of her own. I'll tell you what, hearing some of these stories, hearing the real life struggles of the Appalachian Mountains, things that people saw that they should have never saw, things that people went through that they never should have had to go through, it's just heartbreaking to hear these stories. I mean, you know, every now and then she'll laugh, but but I'm thinking, my goodness, you know, um, this was her reality, but most of us think, my goodness, how? How has she still got a smile on her face when she's been through so much? Stay tuned, you're not gonna wanna miss the rest of this right after this. Sponsoring an Appalachian child is easier than you think. You can pick out a child online at anchorridge.org and get started right away. You'll receive a packet in the mail with all of the details about your child. It is fun and exciting shopping for special gifts as you imagine the joy they will have as they open their brand new presents. There is no limit to the amount of times you send your child a special gift. You can mail it or drop it off at our office and we will hand deliver your gift to your child. You will receive a picture in the mail of your child opening their gift with a big smile on their face and gratitude in their heart. To sponsor a child, go to anchorridge.org or call 1-800-722-8714. An Appalachian child is looking for a ray of hope today. Be the yes they are so desperately waiting for. Call now. My daddy was here, he, ended up, he was a pretty mean man. We had a black leather couch and made us all sit on it. Had four cushions, we got along black leather couch and he got my mom and I never, forget it, she had a nightgown on. And he, he grabbed her and put her on the wall and got his knife out and stuck her. And it went in right here somewhere and she hung on the wall. And I remember we couldn't get off the couch to help her. And my daddy sat down and finally he got up and helped her. I don't know, she got it off and got down, but her feet was off the ground, I'll never forget that. And down here this bridge by his bank, my daddy had an old work truck and was all in it. They was arguing. My daddy stopped on that bridge, opened the door, got out, walked around, picked up my mommy and throwed her off the bridge, shut the door and got in the truck and we just drove off. I remember looking out my back window, wondering where my mommy was at. And we went on home like it wasn't nothing. And about a month later, I remember my mommy came in a body cast and she had to lay in the bed for a long time. I'll never forget that. My granny would come up and take care of us, and she was so mean, we couldn't do nothing. Right. And she was a mean old woman. <laughs> my daddy's mommy, he was a mean man. And they uh, told him, said, we can't help you with divorce or nothing until you get him off this property. 
And my mommy had to figure out one time, uh, she watched that movie, The Barn and Bed. And my daddy had a camper out back of the house and that's where he'd go out and get drunk. And I remember my mommy went out there and she tried to burn him. I don't know if she pulled a gas on him, whatever he had passed out. But when he got up, you can see the, his body figure on the bed and the rest of the bed was burnt and he was fine. And he walked out the door and I remember just looking at him and mommy said, see, that's evil. He's pure evil. You cannot kill evil. So my mommy, we had this, I don't know what kind of bush it is. It had big old thorns on it. She made a bunch of switches and she tied them together and waited on my daddy to come home. And my mommy whooped him with them thorns off that property. And mommy started her divorce. Yeah, and we finally got him out of the house. Because uh, one time mommy went and bought us school clothes. Daddy got mad because he spent the money on school clothes and made us all bring them in and give them to him. And he'd sit there in the living room floor and burned them. And mommy called the law and said, law said, what nothing you can do at this house, he can do what he wants to. And I remember I cried, daddy bought my new school clothes. Had to go to school with my old clothes. Never get that. Yeah. And one time we got beat up, he, uh, mommy let us get in the car with him. He pulled up drunk, got his shotgun, and mommy didn't say nothing. Me and Bob and Adam, we got in the car with daddy, and daddy said, when I tell you to get down and hold your ears, you better do what your daddy says. So we was in the back seat, and we was going down the road. He had that shotgun laying in the front seat. He right. said, do what your daddy said, get down and hold your ears, and he put that shotgun at the window and went boom, boom. And he turned around and we went home. And I still, this day, think about that. And I can hear the boom, boom in that car where he shot that shotgun twice. Yeah, and blowed out them windows in that place. And we came home like it wasn't nothing. Daddy cut his shotgun in and we just followed <laughs> him right in. <laughs> when my daddy got sick at the end and I was pregnant with my old, uh, youngest daughter, I couldn't go around my daddy because he made me sick. And my Aunt Sybil said, you got good in you. You got an angel in you. He's pure evil laying over there. So I even got in a wheelchair to try to go in and see my daddy. I, I just pass out. So I, I couldn't go around him. And after he died, I was able to love on him and tell him goodbye. But while he was alive, I couldn't. When I was pregnant, Shelby, and that youngin', when she was born, that youngin' was born in a church. I don't care, I don't care if she was two years old, she had to go to church. That youngin' lives in the church. She still does. She still does. I couldn't ask for two better girls. Yep. 1988, I moved in Newport News and had a child. 92, I come back home. We had two child, and the youngest one was like a month old. I celebrated the first birthday here, and I raised them both up in this town. Go to the red light and look up on that hill on this side. There's a big old mansion up there. That's where my husband came from. Yeah, and she was uh, like the mayor of town. She owned almost all the town. So when I tried to get a divorce, I couldn't get a lawyer to take my case around there because they either went to church with that family and them, or know that, know them, and everything went to the lawyer around here to take my case. I could, it took me five years to get a divorce because of that. And I was, I was nobody, you know, and they was something, you know, but, <laughs> but I got two pretty girls out of the deal. <laughs> My mommy, she would uh, bring, people would bring the clothes and she would sew them for them or wash them for them, trying to make money. And uh, we had to have an extra garden. 
And I remember her canning, she'd be canning two or three o'clock in the morning, you know. She had to do it all herself, you know. But we never had much back then. We was able to go to the store by then and buy stuff so we couldn't kill pigs, you know, my mommy couldn't. So we couldn't do that no more when my daddy left. Yeah, and like I said, uh, like potato chips, you know, you that's the only potato chips I had growing up. I really didn't know what a bag of potato chip was. I really didn't. It was the peelings off the potatoes. The mommy put them in water and left them in the sink in the evening time. She would deep fry them in grease and give them to them. They're like potato chips. I, I moved from Dobie and went to Crossbrook. And that was my papa's house. And my papa died and my mommy died, so I was trying to take care of both houses. And uh, the house in Crossbrook broke down on me. I had to jump out the second story window. But it was all our memories and stuff in that house, and it went up like a smack stick. It was old. It had been in the family for years. Big old two-story house, two chimneys. So I had to move here in town. I'm in town now. First time I lived with a landlord. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You know, hearing these stories today is a grim reminder of the ones that don't make it because you start to think about all the kids that we come across up here in the Appalachian Mountains and all the stories that I've heard and you know she made it but there's so many that didn't and that's what Anchorage is all about is giving these kids hope up in these hills and and making sure that we're making a difference one kid one child at a time and that's where you come in you can sponsor a child for just $30 a month and I tell you it'll change their life forever you know kids shouldn't have to be going through things like this they shouldn't have to be um, seeing these things and we can help you can help and through the love of Jesus Christ we can give these children some hope here well I hope this podcast is a blessing to you make sure you subscribe and share it with a friend who needs a blessing be sure to sign up for our email list too we give away free gear and products and you'll be the first one to hear about the latest episodes and all the latest news until next time Pray big prayers and watch God move. Have a blessed day.